listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Man, I'm excited <clears throat> to be able to come and to be able to share the word with you guys tonight. Uh, man, it's been a long time um, since I've preached. It's been a few weeks um, since we've been in the venue, it's been an even longer time. And so like Becca said earlier, man, we feel like we're at home in here. Um, we love the worship center. We love being in there. Um, but man, we feel like this is the home for the journey. And so we, uh, we can't wait until these mostly empty rows right here are full of your guys' shining, beautiful faces. We can't wait just to be able to jump right back in with you guys. Um, and hopefully that's going to be sooner than later. Um, we'll have a little bit of info about what that's going to look like um, here at the end of the service. But let's just go ahead and jump in, man. Um, like I said, I'm excited. Uh, I'll let you know where we're going to be in Scripture here in just a couple of minutes. Um, but for right now, I want to start by sharing a quick story with you guys. So um, I'm going to ask the question as if there is a ton of people here in the room, right? And then I want you guys to respond, even though I won't be able to hear you. <clears throat> so um, if you have been uh, on or through like a border crossing on, on land, right, whether it was on a bus or in a car or you were walking across a border to a different country, raise your hand. Sweet. I saw all you guys out there raise your hand. We actually did Deb in here raise her hand. Shout out, Deb. Um, but if you guys at home have done that, man, you're going to kind of understand a little bit of what I'm talking about right here. So I'm going to share a story with you guys about one time that I did that in Africa. So we were traveling from one specific country to another in Africa, and it was going to be a multi-country trip, right? So we weren't going just from one country to the next country. We were going from a country into another country with our final destination being one more country further. So we were driving. We had a caravan, right? I was in a van <clears throat> with about six or seven other people, maybe. Um, and we had set aside like three days to make this trip happen. And so I went into it knowing, hey, this is going to take a while. This is not going to just be a trip where um, I get to jump on an airplane and fall asleep before the flight takes off. You can ask Becca about that. I'm really good at doing stuff like that. Um, but fall asleep before the flight takes off and then fall asleep on the descent into where we were going. No, it was not going to just be a couple hours. It was going to be multiple days. And so I go into it knowing, hey, man, my patience is going to be tested in this. I was 19 or 20 years old, maybe, um, wasn't a patient person uh, to begin with. And so I knew that this was going to be a little bit tougher. So we drove and we got to the border of the first country and we got through pretty easily. Um, and so if you don't know how, how that works, how crossing from one country into another on the land, what you have to do is you, you drive up, right? And they ask everybody <clears throat> to get out of the car and you go and you get an exit stamp in your passport and you have to exit the country that you're in. And then you're in what people call no man's land after that, which is not um, either country A or country B, right? It's just no man's land. It's in between country lines. So you drive through that and then you wait in another line and you got to get out of your car and you have to go through and you have to ask questions. Why are you coming to our country? What are you going to be doing here? Who are you going with? Who are you visiting? Stuff like that. And if they're going to let you through, then they stamp your passport again, and then you're on your way, right? So we go through the first border like that, um, and it was all easy, and we get into the first country. We stay overnight. Everything's awesome. Uh, super, super easy. Took a lot of hours to get there, but that was just a lot of hours driving, listening to music, stuff like that. Um, 
We wake up really, really early the next morning. We're like, okay, we have, to, we have to wake up really early because we know this next border is the one that's going to be rough. So we wake up at like 3 a.m. and we get in the van. We have to drive like two more hours to the border. And about a quarter of a mile outside of the border, we hit this line of traffic. There are just trucks and trucks of, of people shipping things and of people, um, cargo trucks, all this stuff. And there's cars and there's everything like that. And it's just car after car after truck after truck after car after truck on and on and on until we get to the border. So we sit and we're like, this is going to be rough. Um, so like I said, I'm in a car of about six to seven other people in a van, actually, um, six to seven other people. And we're, we're sitting there and, you know, we slowly but surely get to the front of that line and we get up there and they're like, okay, now that you're at the beginning of this line, we need you to get out of your car that you're in and we need you to go through this and get your stamp that you're leaving this country. And so we wait in that line and total, it's, it's probably like 10 a.m. now. And remember, we woke up at like 3 a.m., so it's been hours, and my patience is wearing thin, and, and I'm starting to get irritated, and, and the people that are laughing and chuckling around me are starting to make me mad and, and frustrated. I'm like, man, how are people laughing? We've been up since 3 a.m., and we're not even halfway to our destination, right? So we go through that, and we get stamped, and they let us leave, and we get on a ferry that crosses this river. That's the dividing line between the two countries, we get to the other side, and this is where it gets really interesting. We get off the ferry, and it's like just a cluster. It's just like everybody fend for yourselves, run to get in line to enter this next country. And so we go, and we get in line. We're waiting in this line, and we're waiting, and hours go by, two hours go by, two and a half, right? And we finally get to this little white building that you walk into. And like I said, man, if my patience was wearing thin already, three hours ago, my patience is gone at that moment. I was not being nice to people. I was not being Jesus to people. I was being mean and rude to the people that I was traveling with. We hadn't eaten. I was hangry. Man, I was not in a good mood. I had zero patience left. To top it all off, I'm about to walk into this little white building where we get our, sta- our passport stamped, and there's a sign at the top of the building. Um, let me, I have, to, I have to see what it, I have it written down in here, what it said. Um, it says, entering this building without patience may cause death. And so I was like, what does that even mean? Like, what do you mean that entering into this, into this building without patience may cause death? I was going crazy. I didn't have any patience. Was I going to die if I went in here? And obviously, that's a joke, right? It, it's, just, it's just the uh, government of that country that was having fun with knowing, hey, you've been waiting in line for hours already. I know you don't have any patience. I'm going to make fun of you for it. I think that's what it was. I don't know. I'm still alive, and I entered that room with no patience, so clearly it doesn't cause death for everybody. Um, but I finally get through, and then my buddy Josh, who was driving the van that we were in, had the audacity once we were driving away to look at everybody over his shoulder and say, oh, that wasn't so bad. And I was like, what are you talking about, Josh? I have no patience left. And he was like, oh, if you think that was bad, it took twice as long last year. And I just looked at him and I said, man, I, I would have not been well off uh, if I would have been there last year. Because this, this process that completely stripped me of my patience, it completely stripped me of any joy that I had, it made me mad, it made me angry, it made me jump at people, it made me bitter with everybody around me. I heard people laughing, and I despised them for it. And I was like, what am I supposed to do with patience, right? How, how am I supposed to have patience in situations like that? Do I even need to? Am I, am I supposed to? 
what, is, what does scripture say about patience, right? Should we have patience in those moments? The answer is yes, and we'll get into that later. Um, but man, patience is a funny thing. Like I said, all over scripture, it tells us about how patience is good and patience is a fruit of the spirit, right? Um, and so patience is required in, a, in the life of a Christian. We even have sayings that say good things come to those who wait. Um, patience is a virtue. All of these things that people say, but despite all of that, we live in a why wait society. So our society looks us dead in the eyes and say, I don't care what your Bible says, why wait? You don't need to wait for anything, right? We have, um, you look around you and there's perfect examples everywhere, right? I'm sure that if this room is full of people and I asked everybody who had gotten Chick-fil-A in the past week to raise their hand and more than half, Jonathan's raising his hand back there. I would raise my hand too. I have as well. Um, but you go to Chick-fil-A, right? To go to the drive through It's why wait? And there's two lines. You don't even have to wait in one line. There is a two line for fast food drive-through. Whataburger has it. Chick-fil-A has it. I'm sure other places have it as well. And if that's not good enough for you, we have Uber Eats. Shout out Uber Eats. Becca and I have been driving Uber Eats to make a little bit more money. It's awesome. But why wait? Why would you have to go and wait in a line when you could just get on your phone and order food and somebody would bring it right to your doorstep? Instagram story videos, right? Um, you see that, and if, if those little lines on an Instagram story don't look like lines, but rather they look like dots, I'm not flipping through those. I'm just skipping the whole story. I don't care what you have to say that much. I do not have enough patience to sit here and to listen to all of these little dots that you have. I don't care. I don't have patience for that, right? Man, there's... Amazon, right? If, if you don't want to go to the store, you can just get on Amazon and literally order anything. You can order toilet paper, maybe not in today's climate, but you can order food. You can order anything off of Amazon. And if that's not good enough for you, get Amazon Prime where it can get to you in two days. And if that's not good enough for you, you can pay a little bit more and you can have Amazon now where it gets to you in two hours. You don't have to wait for anything in our society. Text messages. You get on your phone, and if your phone doesn't automatically send a text message, you're turning your phone off. You're about ready to throw it out the window. You're restarting it. You're turning airplane mode on and off. You're turning on and off your Wi-Fi. You're figuring out what's going on. Why is my phone not sending? Maybe it's just taking a minute. Maybe it's just taking a minute. Coffee shop. I'm guilty of this. You walk into a coffee shop, and if their Wi-Fi is not speedy, quick, on the dot the second you walk in, even if you've already ordered coffee, you're going to go ask for a to-go cup, and you're going to go to a different coffee shop. You're not going to sit there and wait because we live in a society that has told us that we do not have to wait for anything. We don't need patience in our society. There's a pastor that said this. He said, is your commitment to, is your commitment to convenience killing your Christian character? So the more that we live um, in a world that's faster and faster and faster, the less we have to become patient, right? The less that patience has to do with anything that we do in our lives. But I would ask you this question, is your commitment to convenience killing your Christian character? Man, and not only does that say, sound nice and does that kind of roll off your tongue, and there's a lot of truth in that, right? Because I would guarantee that if you would sit back and think about that is your commitment to convenience, is your commitment to not having to wait on anything, is your commitment to not having to practice patience, is that killing your Christian character? Is that killing um, the actions and the, the mindset in your life where you should be patient because scripture calls us to that? The answer would be yes if you sat down and thought about that. 
Is it changing the way that we pray? Does it have an effect on the way that we study the Bible? Is it changing the way that we evangelize? Is it, is it changing the way that we have community that we come and, and we're like, man, you know what? That sermon, that was, that was 55 minutes. I think I'm gonna try a church next week where the pastor promises to keep his sermon under 40 minutes because I need to go eat lunch because I'm not, I'm not patient enough to sit through uh, listening to the word of God, right? Does it affect the way that we live out our Christian faith? Because we can't work harder, we can't do more, we can't um, have this list of things that we've done and that we're going to do in order for God's promises to become true for us. They require patience. And don't hear me sit here and say like, if you're patient, everything that you've ever wanted and dreamed for will come true in your life and you'll never struggle and you'll never have hardship and you'll never have to cry over spilt milk and you're never, and you're never going to um, be upset and to struggle with the Lord. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying that the promises of God require patience in our lives. We so often have something tough happen to us and we're like, you know, up, up, throw in the towel, wave the white flag. God, I'm done. Um, I'm just going to go over here. I'm not going to do anything anymore. No, I'm, I'm done with, with your plan for me. I'm done with everything that you have because you did not give me what I wanted on a silver platter right in front of my, my face right when I asked for it. We so often face opposition and immediately want to give in and to say, well, I tap out. I'm done with that. We fail to have faith in God's plans or something happens to us and we're like, God, do you even care? Do you even care that I wanted to graduate now, but I have to do another semester of classes because I didn't have credits transfer over whenever I switched schools or whatever it might be? We don't have patience in God's plan, so we immediately lose faith and take it on our own shoulders and say, I got this, I can do it, because we live in a why wait society that tells us that we're the captain of our own fate, that you have to be a go-getter, you have to go out and you have to get what's yours, you have to go and you have to take it, right? Because we live in a society that does not understand the biblical principle of patience, and how good that is, and how fruitful it is. We can't fail to have faith in God's plans, right? Because God has told us the opposite of what our society tells us. He has told us to wait upon the Lord. He has told us to have patience in his plan. But our society says the exact opposite, right? So we have two spectrums here. The, the spectrum of what our society says about patience and what our God says about patience, what his word says about patience, right? His word tells us that patience is required in Christ's likeness, right? It tells us that it's a fruit of the spirit. So in order for us to be like Christ, in order for us to have the fruit of the spirit, patience is one of those. So it's not, um, you can't argue, well, well, I can be a pretty good Christian without patience, so I don't really think that I need it. No, it tells us that it's required to be like Christ, which is what all of us as Christians are striving for. So, like I said, the Bible has so many examples of patience. And so tonight, if you want to turn with me to James chapter 5, verses 7 through 11 is where we're going to mainly focus, right? Um, we're going to jump around a little bit in this. I'm not going to go in exact order. I am going to read it before we start um, and then pray, and then we're going to jump right in. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, James 5, 7 through 11. 
So it says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until he receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So like I said, we're going to kind of jump around a little bit through those verses. But I think that James gives us three separate things um, that we can take and learn about patience through that passage right there. If you look at verse 9, I'll read that again. So if you look at verse 9, it says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. So what James is telling us there is, Hey, be patient with one another. Be patient with one another. We should be patient with each other. That's, that's something that we can learn from this passage. James is telling us, he's writing to these people and he's saying, hey, you have to be patient with each other. You cannot grumble against each other. Because what happens, right? When people become impatient, they get all uh, furious and they get all upset. Like I was in that story earlier and I was starting to kind of snip at the people I was traveling with and I was not being patient with them. And they were laughing and I was like, why are you laughing? You need to stop laughing. It's making me mad. No, James is saying, hey, do not grumble against one another. That's the easiest thing to do when we become impatient, Right? Becca and me, my, my wife, we obviously live together. And so whenever one of us is impatient, you can tell because they're snapping at the other one for little things that you shouldn't snap at each other for, right? And don't worry, my wife agrees with me. She's shaking her head and smiling. Um, so I'm not going to be in trouble. Don't worry about it. Um, but no, there's, there's definitely times even in, in friendships, right? Or in the work environment. Or I just saw Allie over here rub David on the back of the head because she agrees with me. They're married. And so it becomes so easy. Maybe you have roommates, your classmates. Maybe you were in a group project. And when you become impatient with things, it becomes so easy to start bickering back and forth, to grumble with one another, to be mean to each other. And that in no way is betraying Christ-likeness. When we turn on each other, we bicker back and forth. That's letting the enemy in, right? That's letting the enemy get a foothold in our lives and saying, hey, this is your place, enemy. I'm bickering with my wife or I'm bickering with my friend or I'm bickering with my boss or my pastor or my brothers and sisters or whatever it might be. You're giving the enemy an open door to come into your life and to, to start wrecking havoc on things. Matthew 18, even tells us that we need to forgive 70 times, seven times. And he's not actually asking us to do that math because God knows that not all of us are blessed with the ability to do math. Um, and so what he's saying is he's actually just using that <clears throat> as an example of saying, Hey, you should forgive people a lot of times. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter. You should forgive people every time. We're also told by Matthew to turn our other cheek, right? Um, and so all throughout scripture, we are, we are to, told to be patient and to forgive one another. And James is just reiterating that and reassuring that of us in this passage. 
So like I said, we're going we're gonna to jump around a little bit. So if you jump up to verses 7 and 8, which I'll read again, um, it says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth. Be patient about it until it receives the early and the late rain. Also, or you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. I feel like that one is pretty straight up, right? James is saying, hey, be patient with the return of Christ because he is coming back. Just as a farmer, that's, that's the imagery he gives here, is a farmer waiting on his crops to come. Hey, if you're a farmer, you know every, every season around the same time, as long as you water and as long as all that stuff happens, that the crops are gonna come right back. So be patient on that. He's saying, hey, the Lord is coming. Be patient. Don't lose sight in that. The harvest is coming. That is a promise. Don't lose sight that the Lord is coming back. Because whenever you begin to lose sight and to lose patience that Jesus is returning, man, that's kind of whenever it's really easy, right, to start bickering at each other. It's really easy to start getting upset. It's really easy to lose patience. It's really easy to lose sight of what God is doing in your life. Whenever we forget, we know what the end of the book is, right? We know where the story uh, ends. We know what is happening here. We know that in the end, Christ is triumphant, which means that we, through him, as his children, are triumphant. So we cannot forget that Christ is coming back. We have to be patient in his return because we may not know when he returns. We're told that in scripture as well, that, that we cannot determine a date or a place or a time that Christ is coming back. But what we can control is our reaction, right? And our waiting. We can be patient in his return. We don't have to be impatient. I feel like there's so many people out there that are like, well, I think reading the scripture and seeing what's going on in our current climate with all of this stuff, I think the end is near in the next few months. Man, there's books written about this stuff. There are all kinds of crazy things going on. That's just people being impatient for the return of Christ. Be patient. It tells us the harvest is coming. Be patient in that. So again, we should be patient with his return. He's not asking us to just be patient until, man, once the year 2020 hits, you guys can start being impatient. Don't worry about it. Once, once uh, you get married, you can start being impatient. Or once, um, you know, this happens, you can start being impatient. No, he says, hey, be patient all the way up until the return of the Lord. Be patient all the way up until Jesus is coming back. So again, we have to be patient in his return. Man, if we look at verse 11, that's where our uh, third point is going to come from. And it says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Man, that's some good stuff there. So we should be patient with his plan for our lives. And I know I'm stepping all over all people's kinds of toes right here. People saying, well, Zach, you just don't know the situation that I'm in. You just don't know exactly what's happening with my life. If you were in my shoes, you wouldn't be patient. I bet you're right. I'm sure I wouldn't be patient, but that doesn't mean that we are not called to be patient, right? So we should be patient with his plan for our lives. James gives us the example of Job here, which we're gonna talk more about in a minute. But we are to be patient in the knowledge that he has a plan for us, right? Because like I said, um, God has a plan for each and every single one of us here, right? If you're watching, if you're in this room, if 
people who aren't even watching, God has a plan for your life. So we have to be patient in that. We have to trust that he is good and that he knows what he's doing, even whenever we don't know what he's doing. Because I think that if you raise your hand right now, if you would say, um, I have no idea what God is doing in my life sometime, every single person's hand would be raised, right? So God knows what he's doing and we have to be patient and we have to remain steadfast in that. What is steadfastness, right? So Matt Chandler uh, has this saying that he, he preached a sermon um, on a similar passage to this that I listened to recently. And he was like, what even is steadfastness? steadfastness? And Matt Chandler says that steadfastness is a patience on steroids, right? And so what does that even mean is to just be patient above all else, right? That we have to know that God has a plan for us. We have to know that he goes before us, that he is paving the way, right? That he is going to lead us down this plan. We have to be patient in that plan. Even in the hard times of life, even in the confusing situations, even when it seems like God is distant, we are called to be faithful and patient. Right? And so you might be like, okay, well, what does that even look like? Right? Well, let's, let's look at some examples from Scripture. Right? So let's look at Joseph. God gave Joseph's family a promise um, that his family would bless the nations um, and that they would spread and they would multiply. And like I said, they would, they would, bless, they would be a blessing to the nations. Now, this promise was not given to just Joseph and his brothers. He had 11 brothers. That's way too many boys. Um, but it was not just given to him and his brothers. It was actually given to Joseph's great-grandfather, right, um, who was Abraham. And so this promise had not yet been fulfilled. If you want to look back, we don't have a whole lot of time to go into all that, but look back at the book of Genesis from Abraham all the way down the line. Man, crazy things happen. Crazy things happen. Um, Oh, yeah. we, like I said, we won't jump into it. Go check it out. Um, but that promise of being a blessing to the nations had not yet been fulfilled. And so Joseph comes along um, and he was actually sold into slavery by his 11 brothers. After that, he um, became kind of like the head uh, kind of servant of, of Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife actually tried to come on to him. She was a bit of a cougar, I guess you could say. And he was like, no, no, I know better than this. I'm not getting involved with you. Um, I'm going to be a good person. I'm not going to commit adultery with you. And so she actually lied and told her husband the opposite. And he got arrested, sent to prison. In prison, he got forgotten about. He had patience through all of this, though. Joseph trusted God through all this. He had patience even whenever he was arrested, even whenever he was sold into slavery, even through all of the hardships of his life, Joseph had patience. Eventually, this leads to him being pulled out of prison and being actually set to second in command of all of Egypt through Pharaoh, right? And so Joseph was used to bless the nations years later, just as a promise was given to his great-grandfather, he was able to save people whenever there was a famine and they ran out of food. And long story short, Joseph was able to save those brothers who had actually sold him into slavery by providing food for the people because there was a famine all across the Middle East. So be patient. His promises remain, right? Let's look at Job. Like I said, we would take a peek at Job. So if you look at Job, Satan was given the opportunity um, to come and to try to tempt Job to turn away from God. He told God, hey, um, I really think that the only reason that Job loves you and worships you is because you won't let anything bad happen to him. So, Jesus, or so God said, okay, go ahead. You can, you can do whatever, just don't, don't take his health. So Satan goes and, and he kills his livestock and he kills his children and his servants and his wife turns on him and still Job says, man, I don't know what God's doing, but I, I have faith, 
right? Obviously, it's more complicated than that. Go check it out. But Job says, in a nutshell, man, I don't know what God's doing, but I have faith and patience in his plan for my life. So Satan goes back and he says, well, you know, I think, I really do think that Job would curse you if you let me take his health. And so, so God goes, okay, go ahead. Just don't kill him. So he goes and he covers Job in boils and all kinds of nasty things happen to his health. And still Job says, I don't know what you are doing, but I will remain steadfast and I have faith and patience in your plan. So uh, I'm going to spoiler alert you guys. At the end of the story, Job's uh, life is restored, right? And so good comes out of all of this because Job had faith and he had patience in this plan. Next, let's look at Jesus. So if you know the gospel, right, you know the story of Jesus. Um, even a few weeks ago when I preached, I kind of shared a quick story of the gospel, but Jesus showed patience through his whole life. He was patient to start his ministry after 30 years of being on earth. So he waited a while. He was patient with his apostles when they did not understand his teachings and his plan. He was patient whenever um, he was enduring the full suffering of our sin on the cross because, right, the idea is that he could have snapped his fingers and it could have been over. But he was patient in that because he knew of the good to come from it. He showed patience in the plan of his father. And oh yeah, do you remember the, the promise that I was talking um, about a couple minutes ago that was given to Abraham from God, that his offspring would be a blessing to the nations? Well, 2,000 years later, one of his offspring, right, one of his descendants, Jesus, as in Jesus Christ, right, died on the cross for our sins and became the biggest blessing that the nations will ever receive. 2,000 years, 2,000 years, and the promise that was given to Abraham came to fruition, right? Jesus was the biggest blessing that the nations would ever receive. After 2,000 years, his promise remains, guys. Stay steadfast. Remain patient. I don't know about you guys, but I don't think that I have 2,000-year patience, right? Um, if you say that I don't believe you because you haven't lived for 2,000 years and you um, yeah, probably don't have 2,000-year patience because somebody had to create microwaves because we didn't want to wait for things to cook in the stove. Um, and so if you can't wait 30 minutes for your meal to cook, if you had to put it in the microwave instead, you don't have 2,000-year patience, um, but what I can do, even though I cannot be patient for 2,000 years, is I can be patient in what's happening right now in my life. I can hang in there. I can be patient because God's promises remain true. They were true 2,000 years ago. They're true right now. And man, if, if this world is still around in 2,000 years, God's promises will begin or will still reign true then. They are true today and they will always remain true. We just have to be patient in them. Like I said earlier, just because you are patient does not mean that your life is gonna be easy. Just because you are patient does not mean that you're gonna get everything that you want. Just because you're patient does not mean that you're gonna have the nicest car or the nicest home or the best family life or that you're going to have all of this money or anything like that. But patience is something that we are called to in Christ-likeness. We have to have 
patience. How? In order for us to be patient in the promises of God, we have to know the promises of God. Get in the word. Read his promises. Know how good they are because whenever you know how good his promises are, it's not so hard to wait for them. Because if you know the goodness of God, it's not so hard to to say, man, right now what I'm standing in is kind of muddy and mucky and nasty. But man, I can see the promises of God. I can see God waiting there. I can be patient in that. He is coming to rescue me. He is coming to pull me out of the mud. He is coming to pull me out of the muck. But if we don't know his characteristics, if we don't know his promises, what can we be patient for? So get into the word. You have to communicate with God to be patient. You have to pray, you have to fast, you have to talk to him. You have to let him know your feelings. If you're upset, if you're confused, if you feel forsaken, if you feel unheard, if you feel like he's not communicating with you, cry out to him. He's not afraid of you being upset. He's not afraid of you even being angry with him. He's not afraid of any of that, right? Because he just wants us to be patient in his plan for our lives. All right, so you have to lean on Holy Spirit to be patient. Patience does not come on its own, right? We actually learned that in Galatians 5.22, which is talking about the fruit of the Spirit, which is kind of like the anchor text to this passage. So go check that as well. We learned from that passage that we actually have to be um, Holy Spirit-led to have patience. That patience is not going to come naturally from myself or from you or from Becca or from Deb or David or Ali or whoever is here Patience is not going to just show up in your life overnight. It is something that needs to be cultivated in your life through Holy Spirit. There will always be seasons of your life where you feel like you're waiting on God. You could be in a season like that right now where you feel like you're waiting on God. When you feel like you're telling God, hey, God, I'm ready. Give me, give me what I need. Give me, give me where I'm going. Tell me what I'm doing. Tell me where I'm going. But no, he doesn't call us to be ready for him. He calls us to be patient in him. He calls us to be patient in his plan. Even when we are scared, even when we are confused, even when we feel distant, even when we feel like God is distant and not speaking to us, even when we feel forsaken, his plans reign true. His love reigns true. And God, let me tell you what, God reigns true. Let Holy Spirit bring peace into your life. Rest in his plan. Have patience in who he is and what he is doing in your life because you have a father in heaven who loves you more than anything in the world and has gone before you and has set a plan for you to walk into. Even if you don't see it, even if you don't know what it is, even if 10 years, you look down from the, down the road and you're like, man, I have no idea what was happening 10 years ago, but I know that God is good now. And I know that I need to have patience in his plan for my life. So I encourage you guys in this time of response and pray for patience in your life because it is important. Bow your heads with me. God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that um, 
even in times where we might not fully understand what exactly is happening, even in times where we're scared and confused and we feel forsaken and betrayed and like you're silent and like you don't care, God, that you do care um, and that you are calling us into patience, God, that you're calling us into belief in your plan and have faith in you, Lord. So I pray that in this time, Holy Spirit, that you come and that you touch our hearts and that you just continue to teach us what patience looks like in our lives. We love you, God. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. You can learn more about The Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for at the journey LBK.